Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. Welcome to yet another exciting, enticing episode of The Secret Lair Drive-In. I am your host, your fearless leader, he of the dulcet tones, D-Dub. And across the way back machine from me is my co-host and faithful acolyte, also with his own unique set of pipes, Stratosphere. Yes, Master. (laughs) I knew he was going to do something like that. I do every week. Well, before we get into this week's cinematic masterpiece, uh, let's toss out our contact information. If they wish to email us, tell us how great we are, tell us what idiots we are, suggest a movie. How could they do that? Well, they can do what uh, 
our number one fan, uh, Joe Iden, has done on several occasions, thereby proving that we were serious about this, and contacting us at secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. He got it on the first first try, folks. And subscribe to us on iTunes, Beyond Pod for your Android devices, and Windows Phone, Windows Phone people go into the marketplace and pick us up. Of course, you're probably already doing that if you're listening now. Unless you're getting, unless you're getting it off the street, in which case, come on, go legit, guys. <laughs> so anyway, what is our cinematic masterpiece for this week? Well, I could say it out loud, but I might incur your wrath. So I'm just going to describe it as it's from it's from 1998, and it stars Matthew Broderick, and it has a big lizard in it. And so, I, really, I really can't bring myself to say much more than that. Well, okay. Well, here's the, here's the conceit we're going to use as we're describing this. Okay. The film does have an actual title. We're going to refer to it as The Lizard Movie from 1998. In fact, if you look in the show notes, folks, it says Lizard Night Movie from 1998. We're not going to refer to it by title. And why? Because we're going to look at it a little differently. By removing that one word from the movie, viewing it as a movie, like a standalone movie. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right, I think we can work with that. Okay, so anyway, The the Lizard Movie from 1998, and the best place to start with these would be... The the plot. Plot. Following a nuclear incident in French Polynesia... A lizard's nest is irradiated by the fallout of subsequent radiation. Decades later, a Japanese fishing vessel is suddenly attacked by an enormous sea creature in the South Pacific Ocean. <laughs> and <laughs> and only one seaman survives. Traumatized... Is that usually the way it works? Only one survives? Oh, no, only one makes it. Ah, oh, there you go. Okay, I got... And you mentioned eggs earlier. Okay, semen eggs, good deal. Traumatized, he is questioned by a mysterious Frenchman in a hospital regarding what he saw, to which he replies, Gojira. No, he replies, Lizard. Okay. Lizard. Lizard. Oh, okay, yeah, Lizard. Well, I didn't technically use, I, I said the Japanese, but you're right, still not worthy. Dr. Nico Nick Tatopoulos... And, of course, you know, played by, by uh, Matthew Broderick, and two, two just really ridiculously, unintentionally funny things. I keep every time I see him uh, it, as Dr. Nick, all I can think of is The Simpsons. Hi, Dr. Nick. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, and, and, and one thing I've realized with this movie, Matthew Broderick, got to be the most overrated actor of the 80s bar none he is really really bad well he's he's trying to get these worms out of the ground from chernobyl and the whole time he's singing show tunes which i don't know if that was supposed to be his audition for the producers or what but you know well you know i didn't i didn't see the version of the producers that he's in but uh actually re-watching ferris bueller he's really bad in that too uh I just, uh, nothing good to say there. But anyway, he is an NRC specialist. 
So, yeah, he's in the Chernobyl exclusion exclusion zone in the Ukraine researching the effects of radiation on wildlife, but is suddenly interrupted by the arrival of an official from the U.S. State Department. He is sent to Tahiti and Jamaica, escorted by the military, to observe the wreckage of the recovered Japanese fishing ship with massive claw marks on it. The Frenchman is also... Well, before this, though, before they show the boat, um, he keeps... They talk to him about genetic mutations due to radiation, mm-hmm. and he says, well, I need some kind of a sample or something, or what am I looking for? He says, you're standing in it, and it's a giant footprint. Oh, okay. Ar- arguably one of the best special effects in the movie, in my opinion. Um, uh, the best special effect would have been making it really interesting. It would have been marginally interesting. Um so the Frenchman introduces himself as Philippe Rocher. Played by, I think his name is Jean, Jean Reno. Reno. And I have to say, he was actually very good in this movie. Uh, he, he he actually stands out in kind of, kind of almost an off-putting way because he's actually a lot better than the material he's working with. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and <clears throat> it kind of makes you wonder, okay... Were you trying to make rent or something? Because this is—I mean, I know the movie made money, but good lord! Well, it was supposed to be a big—I mean, it was supposed to be a huge cultural thing. You know, it—it it was a big event, and, right? Well, it kind of fell a little short. Anyway, Philippe Rocher is an insurance agent. Now, aboard a military aircraft, Doctor Doctor Nick identifies. Hi, everybody! Hi, Doctor Nick! See, I just love that. Um, he identifies skin samples that he discovered in the shipwreck as belonging to an unknown species. He dismisses the military's theory that the creature is a living dinosaur. Instead, deducing that it is a mutant created by nuclear testing. Muty. The giant reptilian... Wait, wait, mutant? Claw marks? Oh, God, no. it's freaking Wolverine no. in this thing, too. And yet, and yet it would still be more entertaining than, than Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I like Hugh Jackman. I can't stand Hugh Jackman. Anyway, um, don't even get me started on my daughter's opinion of Hugh Jackman. Um, I think if she's more in line with what I'm thinking, or does she not like him either? Uh, he ruined the movie of Les Mis for her. Okay, whatever. I know that's obscure, but... Um, the Uh-oh. giant reptilian creature dubbed as Lizard... Ah, ah, yeah. Okay. Saw see. what you did there. Yeah. I got it right that time. By the media, travels to New York City, leaving a path of destruction in its wake. The city is evacuated as the military attempts to kill it, but fails in an initial attempt. Doctor Nick later collects a blood sample and assumes that the creature reproduces asexually. Oh, uh, they did that in Jurassic Park a few years later. Or I don't remember if the book was before this or after, but the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Um, there's a species of frogs that would automatically change sex or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard of that before. Um, where the hell was I? Oh, um, the aspiring journalist and ex-girlfriend of Dr. Nick, Audrey Timmons, uncovers a classified tape in his provisional military tent which concerns the origins of the lizard. Her superior, Charles Cayman, played by Harry Shearer. And he is just such a... Well, there's no other way to put it. He's a fucking dick in this. 
Yeah, but Harry sure is really good at playing that type of role. So, and he he's masterful in in that role. Yeah, um, he declares the tape as his own discovery. Point made, and the tape is broadcast on television, embarrassing the military on the sensitive nature of the situation. As a result of this leak, Nick is fired from the operation. Doctor Nick. Well, but here's the thing: if if he claimed it was his. If he if he claimed it was, if Harry Shearer claimed it was his discovery, come on, the military would whisk him away and make him disappear or something. This was ninety eight. They didn't. Have, it was pre two thousand one. They didn't have that power yet. I got you. So that's all I got. Um. So Doctor Nick is then kidnapped by Roche. Hi everybody. Hi Doctor Nick. He's kidnapped by Rocher. I, I love saying that name. Philippe Rocher. Rocher. Isn't that the name of that one candy that comes wrapped in like the gold foil? Yeah, it's got the hazelnuts. And, uh, he reveals Philippe him, Rocher. Who reveals himself to be an agent of the DGSE, the French Foreign Intelligence Agency. Not the French Foreign Legion, because that would be a better, different hat. Uh, you go there to forget. Uh, forget the movie. Uh, mm. He and his colleagues have been keeping close watch on the events and are planning to cover up their country's role in the nuclear accident. That's what do you call the this? That's coffee. This is terrible. Well, it says French host. There's a little bit of humor in the movie anyway. Yeah, sure there was. Keep, well, keep... there's more humor than there was in the new one. Well, unintentional? You may be on to something there. Um... Suspecting a nest somewhere in the city, they cooperate with Nick to trace and destroy it. Following a chase, the creature dives into the Hudson River, where it is attacked by Navy submarines. After sustaining head-on collisions with torpedoes, the beast sinks after being rendered incapacitated. Believing it is finally dead, the authorities celebrate. Dr. Nick and Rocher's special operation... Hi, everybody! Uh, covertly followed by Timmons and her cameraman Victor Animal Pilati, played by everybody's favorite Hank Azaria. Yeah, he he brings a little bit of character to the thing. Hank Azaria is very watchable. Well, the the lady that plays his wife, she's kind of playing it as your uh, stereotypical New York, New Jersey uh, wife. Okay, and she works with the Audrey character right at the news station, and she's a hoot. Cracks me up. She plays the stereotype, but it's entertaining. Like I said, Hank Azaria is really a versatile actor. I mean, he—I've he, actually seen him play both both villains and comedy, and he's—he's he's a ah, very underrated actor. And one of my favorite roles, the Blue Raja. Oh yeah, and Mystery uh-huh. Man. I forgot about that. No, when I think of Hank Azaria, even though he's done a ton of voices on The Simpsons, he may do. I think he actually does Doctor Nick. Um, but he does. Um, uh, oh, uh, do, you, do you remember Mad About You with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt? I try not to, but in the early seasons, he actually had some really funny moments, and he he played their dog walker. Oh, okay. And they had this uh, golden retriever named Murray, and Hank Azaria uh, just he, he he never stopped talking. He's like. Okay, you're uh, Mrs. Uh, Buckman there. Uh, 
Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm over here to uh, walk uh, Murray. All right, c- come on, Murray the K. Come on, come on, Murray. And just he just would from the time he walked in the scenes to the time he left, he had just this running Popeye like monologue under his breath, absolutely hysterical. And I think his area basically improv most of it. Oh, I w- I wouldn't doubt it. So anyway, they make their way through the underground tunnels to Madison Square Garden because. Everything in New York takes place eventually at Madison Square Garden. Oh, sure. Except for basketball championships. Oh! Teen it up, hitting it long! <laughs> and yes, I know, I'm from Cleveland, so I, <laughs> you know, it's hey, not he, like we're rolling in rings either. I can't even get him to go golfing with me. Anyway, there they locate 200 eggs, having finally found the nest. As they attempt to destroy them by planting explosives, the eggs suddenly hatch. Sensing the human intruders as food, the young creatures begin attacking them. Dr. Tatopoulos, yeah, I'm not going to do it now if you're going to try and crack me up every time. Pilati, Hi, everybody. Yeah, it anyway. Take I'm Dr. T. I pity the fool. I pity the fool. Okay, that's less funny. I know. Um, I had they, to do something, though. They take refuge in the Coliseum's broadcast booth and send a live news report to alert the media of what will happen if the offspring escape. Ah, yes, I'll alert the media. A prompt response involving an airstrike is initiated as the four escape moments before the arena is bombed. And as you point out, no one no one was going to Madison Square Garden to, to catch Nick's game, so... <laughs> Or, or, or Spike Lee was. Were, were, were the Knicks good in 98? I forget. I don't know. But Sad uh, part is my wife would know. Well, let's see. Madison Square Garden's about to get bombed. I, I want to make a joke about being drunk or something, but I just can't even... In a post-9-11 world, those jokes are not allowed. <laughs> um. Okay. Where oh okay um okay the adult however survived the torpedo attack earlier underwater and emerges from the garden's ruins discovering all of its offspring dead it roars in anger and chases the gang Rocher finds an abandoned cab and drives all of them through the streets of Manhattan in pursuit of the quartet the beast eventually makes its way to the Brooklyn Bridge. The creature becomes trapped in its steel suspension cables, making it an easy target. And boy, if this movie's not an easy target, I don't know what is. Wah, uh, wah, wah, wah. After being successfully struck with missiles by military aircraft, finally. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing. I was like, really? He was three feet in front of you. You missed him. <laughs> you had to get a heat seeking missile, and it's a cold blooded creature. What the hell? Um. Military intelligence. Oh, my God. Uh, after, okay. The, the, yeah, the ones which earlier bombed. Yeah, the sports arena they can hit. Well, it wasn't a moving it target. It wasn't a moving target, exactly. Uh, the creature collapses, smashing the cab under its jaw, and slowly dies. Rocher and the rest of the team part ways, and the people of New York celebrate. Meanwhile, back in the garden's ruins, one egg has survived the aerial bombardment. The baby lizard hatches and roars at the... Well, uh, roar. It growls at the camera. And uh, run, think, run credits. I think Grumpy Cat's a little more uh, fearsome than that baby. I would say so, yeah. So, here we have a movie 
that has a name it cannot live up to. So, what we have to do, what you're telling me we have to do, is we have to treat this thing as if it weren't the actual movie that it's proclaiming to be. Let's just say... Okay, how about this? Okay. Pretend it's a Saturday night on sci-fi movie just called Lizard. So it's an asylum movie, basically. There you go. Okay, I could see that. I I've said I've said been saying this for a while now because um, ironically I only actually um, watched the thing in its entirety like about a year ago. I didn't see okay. it, I didn't see it in the theaters. It didn't look good. I'm glad my instincts were great. I'm really pissed at, at a number of my coworkers because they assured me this thing was so good. It is so well done. And by the time okay, I actually here's the thing. by the time I actually saw it, it was like, what the hell are they talking about? Well, but then again, they're not fans of the original series. Well, probably. true that. But, you know the funny thing, too? Um, on the day we're recording, I believe tomorrow night, they're actually rerunning Fathom Events. Is doing uh, the Rift Track guys are riffing this movie. Oh, yeah. They've been... Um the Kaiju Club has been talking yeah. about. I, I would love to go, but I, I got to work. But I, I would. Well, I can't, that would be funny to, I can't, to catch that. I don't really think I want to sit through it again, even for that. But okay, look at it. Saturday night on Sci-Fi, the Asylum presents Lizard. Okay. Fun or no? Um, Having having no background information on this thing, and they don't actually refer to it by that name, uh, marginally fun. It, as, as as fun as <coughs> you know, as fun as Crocosaur or or Sharknado or any of those. Have and you seen Sharknado yet? I saw the first one. I I still okay. Have, yeah, okay. Cause, cause it's coming up. It's, it's coming, coming up. up. Yes. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen the second one yet. Just, okay. just because it's easier for me to watch stuff in like 20 minute segments gotcha. so it's 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 a act of god trying to get get the tv for an hour much less you know two hours I, well that's part of the reason why i have the setup here yeah so but i get it but um you know looking at it that well i had to see just, sharknado 2 on on our big screen tv i can't oh right. I, I can't i can't i can't just reduce that to okay. my, my computer okay well Real quick question: Sharknado, yay or nay? The the first one? Yeah. Oh, it it is it is highly awesome. Okay. Well, I, I know I'm just getting all giddy just thinking about it. But, <laughs> okay. All right. He's uh, waving his hands around like he's Italian, folks. It's wonderful. Like, like the Twelfth Doctor. Yes. No. Okay. Um. And this movie, if you if you look at it in a different context than it was originally presented. Okay. It's actually not terrible. I mean, it's entertaining. If you were to sit and riff on it, you could have a blast with this movie. I, I, I was start, I was starting to say before, I've been making the joke since I saw it last year. I said, you know, if they were to just, if you could pretend that it didn't exist, and if you release this thing as Jurassic Park 4, A Lizard Takes Manhattan. Okay. I, that would totally work for me because that's how the whole thing plays. Like it's just a really cheap knockoff of a knockoff of the original Jurassic Park. 
which and and you know keep in mind I never really was that impressed with the original Jurassic Park. I never okay. it was a good movie, didn't quite see all the hoopla and then as they've done every version since it's you know been watered down in whatever quality it had in the first place. Okay. So this to this movie to me would be kind of a logical progression of that. You know, usually when okay. when you get into sequelitis, usually by the time you hit at, you know the third and fourth movie, what happened with the original Jaws? You know, oh. Jaws: The Revenge is is freaking uh, they, torture to watch. They, de- so, they definitely declined, right? I mean, just- and this, I, if you look at this as that type of a thing, like okay, take take what what was working and marginally interesting about Jurassic Park and just, okay, now let's put him in the middle of a city. Okay, yeah, let's go with that. And as you said, is it is it interesting? Marginally so. Is it, uh, inter- it, will, is it funny? Uh, m- not really. I, I, well, it does, I mean, it does I have think a little Ma- bit Matthew of Matthew Broderick, I think, Tell me what you think. Do you think Matthew, Matthew Broderick is there to – is his role supposed to be serious or comedic relief? I've I've seen it only twice now, and both times I'm just like I cannot figure out because Matthew Broderick is that type of a weird actor that he says unintentionally funny things, and you can't quite tell, get a read on how he's playing the role. Do you, you follow what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, and I have no problem uh, agreeing with you on that. Uh, I'm sure he semi-serious, you know, but the way he plays it, again, if you if you were to look at it as an asylum film, um, that the role he's playing is very much an asylum type type of character. Yeah, like you know, that's that's one of the really funny things about asylum movies is you. If you actually listen to the dialogue, it's like, who talks this way? Come on. That, <laughs> that, cases, and that's though, what's that's... so hysterical about that. You, you never did see Atlantic Rim, did you? I just found, I was going through to see what Hulu had as far as movies, movies. Right. Atlantic Rim is on there. Oh, got to see it, dude. I've got to see that. It, I, 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 I saw that when I went to the one uh, Kyoga Kaiju Club meeting I went to. We, we, we riff tracks it basically okay. ourselves. Oh my God! Fun, fun, fun! Till our daddy takes the kaiju away. Um, well, I, I I I missed half that movie because we were laughing so freaking hard, <laughs> and I was apparently the only one who hadn't seen it at least oh, okay. twice. You know, so I was kind of a virgin on on that subject. And they they already had plenty of good good riffy dialogue all ready to go. And I got in the spirit of it. I was adding some great lines that they hadn't thought of because you know I'm I'm yeah, pretty good at improv. And oh, just a good time was had by all. I I I've got to actually uh, try to find a way to see it. it, it it's kind of like Rocky Horror. You don't actually know what the what the plot and dialogue is because oh, you're, you're so used to everybody just just riffing on it. Oh sure. Um, yeah, I've got to I've got to look on that one. But again, if you if you look at it not as what it was originally presented as, but with a di- slightly different light, I mean it's not a terrible movie. I mean it can, it's entertaining at places. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I I did mean to watch it like a, a a third time in preparation for this, and I just had too much else going on. Do they pull the um, uh, close up on? 
like someone's coffee to denote the the rhythm of of the creature walking. I can't remember because they they did that originally in Jurassic Park, and um, by the time this movie came out, it had actually become a cliche to do that. So I, I was I can't remember. I which thought one they came out. they did that. I can't remember which one came out first, but uh, no the. To first to well, know the original Jurassic Park, I want to say, was 86, maybe? 87? No, I was later than that. You think so? Well, I was already with my be. wife when it came out. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. They do do this one scene where all these people are standing on the street in the rain. Uh-huh. And the earth starts shaking a little bit. And then these all the cars and the taxi cabs hop a little bit and all the car alarms go off. Oh, okay. So. I do remember that scene. Okay, so they they did a little bit of a variation on how that whole thing was played. Yeah. So, Actually, okay. I, I wouldn't call it a fun movie, but going under the parameters of how you're saying it can be alternately viewed, I would say, yeah, it's not bad. There, there are worse movies... There are other movies that I would I would not watch before I'd not watch this one. If that makes any sense. Yeah, if you look at it with the under the unique parameters there you as go. laid out, good way of putting it. Um, you know, it it goes from being a real stink burger to you know at minimum a crap fest. Ah, uh, boy, by the skin of its teeth, I'll say. I, I, yeah, just using those guidelines, that's the only way it could come up to uh, up to Crabfest. Crabfest being the middle, folks. Yes. Okay, any final thoughts before we... Uh, let's see, Matthew Braddock's a horrible actor. Uh, that was the main thing I wanted to really you know, drive home to people. Um, no, it's... Um, it, it's an okay... Like I said, it, it, uh, she didn't... It, it wasn't her intention... But when I was watching this, my wife happened to um, okay. um, sit down and watch it with me. She was, you know, working on uh, some some stuff that was work related at the same time. But when the creature finally makes its appearance, yeah, she's just like, "Oh my god, he's so cute!" And, I'm, and I just said, "Okay, you didn't mean to, but you've you've actually hit." the nail on the head here mm-hmm. he's not supposed to be cute he's supposed to be terrifying he's supposed to be it's supposed to be an oh crap moment you know and and yeah that's yeah of course my my wife said something similar about 2014 and i was like okay that i got to disagree with okay well with all of that being said, remember, folks, secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. And what is our film for next time? Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to be doing some serious old school geeking out because this, this is one of, one of the original classics. It has lasted for many, many years and is beloved by many people. It's actually almost an A movie. We usually, uh, you know, go for the B movies, but this one's prestigious enough that uh, it, it's literally almost an A movie is uh, the classic Forbidden Planet. That's right. So tune in. Tune in for that episode. Same Strat time, same Strat channel. (laughs) See, I knew I'd get him to laugh at least once during this episode. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking bookstore. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
And with that being said, this is Dino. <laughs> and Stratosphere. Saying go watch a B movie. And why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. Bye, folks. Bye, kids. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.